0: What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason and I'm James and James is a special week this week. It is. So our first guests of 2023. Exciting. It is very exciting. So on, on that note, guys, please welcome Pearl and Amar. How are you doing, guys?
1: Hello. Hello. Good to
0: be here. Yeah, yeah so... We'll we'll dive straight in and and cover everything. You guys have got a game coming out, which we are going to talk about later, but obviously we would be remiss if we didn't get to know a little bit more about you. So that's why you're here today, isn't it? To to talk all things games, yes?
2: All things games and about us.
0: Yeah. Although
3: that intro music, I must say, blew me away. I honestly, (laughs) yeah. I was like, oh my God, are we going to... Is this the opening to a Lord of Rings film or something? I love that.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. We're, we're both quite heavy into films as well. Um, and I think, I mean, James, James wasn't with me when I started the show, but
4: I, was I always here wanted you, something. I was epic. here when you picked that theme music, though. And it was just like, <laughs> no, 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 that one. That one, yeah. That is yeah.
3: a strong,
4: strong <laughs> opening.
3: I love I that. I mean, it,
4: it it sets way too
0: high a bar, though. That's the only problem. I did think like, that.
3: <laughs> I was like, we well, yep. better talk about something really <laughs> serious with this music. This is, this is, yeah, going to war music. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like the music. That's uh, at least the first, you know, 30 seconds of the podcast will go well. So <laughs> that's always good. That is always good. But yes, let's uh, let's talk games because mm. I'm 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 hoping at the very least we all like games. No, um, I can't stand. It. Well, we, we don't care about you, James. Yeah, we, we really don't.
4: You drag me along to this thing every week.
0: <laughs> I do. I do. But we first met you guys, uh, it was probably, oh God, it was nearly a month ago at this point, wasn't it? At mm. the Paradise
2: Board Game Convention, I believe it was? Yes, and worth it. it's, uh, I'm going to say it was the 10th or 11th of February, so almost
0: Yeah, it, oh, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. No,
1: mm.
4: yeah. it really doesn't. Wow.
0: Damn. Damn well there we go and obviously you were there demoing your your new game and it was really nice to meet you i think i kind of feel sorry for you because uh i mean the listeners will know already because we've talked about it a, a little bit on previous episodes but you know we we came to right at the end of the day mm-hmm. and uh, we'd had a full day of gaming and and I, I guess getting fed up with each other you know backstabbing and all of that and it just carried on so we apologize up front about that <laughs>
3: I think that's all the game's for, really. You uh, you turn up, sabotage, backstab, you know, and, uh, and hopefully someone ends up winning.
4: Hopefully. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely our kind of game. I mean, Paul snuck the victory because we were too busy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: That happens when people get too focused about messing with each other. But fun was had by all, right? <laughs>
0: definitely, definitely. We we were talking about it quite a bit on our train home as well. So that's that's always a good sign. So you know, <laughs> thumbs up for that. Well done. You've uh, you've managed to have us talking on the way home. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the Kickstarter. I, you, you've got a backer in me. I can guarantee that. Um, and I, I've got to admit, one of the things. That I didn't think about so much when we were playing the game, but actually in the days that followed was was that artwork. I loved the artwork and it's only recently that I noticed that you're using Rob.
1: Rob Ingle,
0: yeah. 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 Obviously, uh James, I don't think you really know Rob, do you? I don't. Uh Rob Rob Ingle is the artist behind Pugs and Mugs. Ah. So uh yeah, we we have a few a few games of his that uh, that we do like. Anyway, we're we're gonna talk about you guys now. So Let's start with Amar. Um where 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 did you start in the hobby you know what are your earliest memories from from gaming and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about this actually. I think um gaming for me started well I guess like a classic with the classic games the classic family games. I think Monopoly was definitely the big one and uh, a game that never ended in my family created <laughs> extreme Rivalries that could last an entire holiday season, uh yeah, so lots of memories of of playing that, and then I think again, picking it up at university and then having you know friends and people to play with go into board game cafes, which I think really um started to explode and and trying new and different games, so yeah, nice. it's been. A good few years.
4: I mean, Monopoly is a banned word at our gaming club,
0: isn't it, Jason? Yeah, we—it's we, very close that we nearly kicked someone out when they turned up with a with a
4: game of Monopoly. <laughs>
1: once
3: I can guarantee you, I don't uh, I don't bring it around anymore.
4: No. <laughs> I mean, it's not a game of Monopoly though, is it? Unless you don't talk to the people you're playing with for like three days afterwards. <sighs>
0: I mean, I always class that as a good thing because it means I got to not talk to my family for three days. Yeah. So.
4: <laughs> well,
3: yeah. Pros and cons. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, what about you, Pearl? Um,
2: I think I got into it properly around uni time. Um, I started playing Contract Bridge during uni. Uh, so it's, it's a, you know obviously a card game where, when you play in pairs and tables of four. And it's this very serious, logical, sort of, no luck game. But the same group of people who taught me Contract Bridge also really liked board games. Um, so we just hung out and played a lot of that those are the people who introduced me to my first economic game, Power Grid I love it, it's behind me on the shelf and yeah, it sort of got a bit out of control from there if you will I still remember <laughs> the good old times where we could you know, play board games overnight and I don't think I have the stem on it anymore but they are fond memories there. mm.
0: So there'll be no 24 hour charity stream for you coming soon there
2: <laughs> Too old for this <laughs>
3: <laughs> They might be but they'll have a nap for about 8 hours in the middle
0: We'll take turns. <laughs> yeah. Well they, they never said you had to actually play for twenty four hours. The game just had to be out, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's how it works.
2: Cat might destroy it, but hey, yeah. we could try.
0: Well yeah, exactly. So you actually came into the hobby quite late by comparison to to everyone else then.
2: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean before that I knew well, Monopoly, dare I say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I guess it's a good kind of thing where you you can sort of get into the hobby and accept it and learn about it all as an adult. And it's actually a very welcoming community for, you know, people who find it at whatever point in their lives. Right. So, uh, yeah.
1: No, that's
0: good. That's good. And Power Grid, that's a a hell of a game to to, to really fall in love with so early on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a bit weird. Just just to balance it, I also want <laughs> to say that I don't just play games like that. I also enjoy social deductions, and I've um, actually found RPGs as well about a year ago, so I play D&D every week.
1: Uh,
0: okay, yeah. yeah, I remember we, we had a little conversation when we were trying to come up with a date for, for this recording, and you said that you had a, an RPG night that you didn't really want to miss, which I'm totally understandable love i don't want to get in the way of anyone in their gaming so uh, other than james
4: I, I as i've said many times i don't care about james but that's fine because i'm usually gaming with you this is true yeah
2: <laughs> the caring bit came through when you were playing uh, the game yeah.
4: So. oh yeah definitely <laughs> oh we do you know outside of board gaming our, our friendship is solid but you know inside of gaming oh, it's, it's every man for himself oh yeah uh, what about you, Omar? Do you have regular
0: game meetups?
3: I wouldn't say regular. I'd say irregular. Often with with Pearl and some other friends. Yeah, I think something I need to pick back up after uh, two years of lockdown for sure. And also, it tends to be a lot of my gaming time uh, does end up being playing Cake of Doom for understandable <laughs> reasons.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of the things you, you've got a game that you're making. It's you've got to play test it, haven't you? That that's the that's the that's the truth of it. So how long has Cape of Doom been in like in the works, shall we say?
3: I would say we're coming up on uh two years.
2: I think it's two and a half. Uh, no,
3: two think. and a half. We've crossed yeah. two years, yeah. All started first lockdown was I think the the seed of the idea, and from there has avalanche to uh yeah, eight days before a Kickstarter, which is
2: awesome. I was going to say Blossomed, but sure, Avalanche yeah, works as well. Blossomed,
3: Avalanche, yeah, it depends on your frame of mind, really.
0: How, how did you find the lockdown affected all of all of that kind of jazz? Because obviously playtesting must have become a bit difficult.
3: Yeah, it is really interesting. So I suppose our, our first experience of playtesting was uh, entirely digital. Uh, but I think we were really lucky in that some fantastic groups and discord communities really spun up around it which gave us access to lots of willing participants and and it's such a fantastic community that people were still keen to play games to give you know valuable feedback and so uh, yeah a a lot of our early playtesting was completely digital and then then you start thinking about the logistics of you know right how are we going to take this digital digitally tested game and test it in person so suddenly in-person testing felt like the weird bit. It's uh
2: it's also so weird with the time of the game. I think it's obvious when you play something online that the timing just works differently. Mm. Um, and there are bits that doesn't matter online, but that matters in person, like you know, backs of cards, right, and things like that, which we 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 just didn't think about for ages because it was all digital. On the plus side, though games are ready on tabletop simulator and tabletopia mm. and tops. so at least we learned all that um all that fun stuff about putting the game up digitally
1: yeah early on
2: and of course when you're doing
3: it digitally it's it is easier to make changes so if between play tests you want to you know change a card or change an idea it's it's very doable um obviously once you've got hard copies you can cross things out and rewrite them and whatever, but it, it's uh, just a bit more challenging.
0: It's not the same, is it? Like, especially if you, yeah, you because know, you guys have obviously got a very nice. I guess, I guess that's your final prototype that you've been you've been demoing with. Yeah. At this point, it would be an absolute nightmare for you to change that. I, I'd imagine. It's
2: almost like printing things costs money.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's just rude, really, Char- charging people when they're when they're trying to pr- provide a service of a new game.
3: I think charging people in. In general, terrible. I don't know why people
4: do it. It's um, interesting you mentioning about how um, during the pandemic, a lot of it started off digitally. Having been through that, do you think that that will now become a standard in game development to actually do it digitally first, iron the kinks out before you go and get a a prototype copy made?
2: For me, it feels like it's... The digital playtesting has become more prominent to see like obviously as peak was more during the pandemic but the designer groups are still quite active and so on but i don't think physical prototypes will go away that's i think there's a reason why people like analog game mm. if you will like personally it's this i play computer games too but it's a different type of entertainment for me and i think because you want the games to be physical the the playtesting person is always gonna be there and it's a lot down to the designer and their circumstances like I've met people during all those early playtesting where they actually live quite far away from like friends and family or playtest communities. Mm. And actually the digital scene gave them the ability to playtest a lot more mm. than they could have. So it's probably gone up in usage, but physical and person playtesting still need it, can't replace it.
1: Yeah. Just
2: just got to go with the card-sleeved, uh, handwritten uh, components sometimes, you know?
0: I think there's some there's an element of charm as well to to a very early prototype of you know like you said handwritten cards with little you know stickmen doodles on Mm. you know and stuff like that.
1: And asking people to
3: imagine being like this will have a card back, I promise. This will be colored in. It will have everything. (laughs) Just you know, give me some feedback on this concept.
0: Yeah, Uh,
1: is always very fun. (laughs) I've actually uh,
2: kept all our old prototypes mm. uh the ones with you know the crossing out on the handwriting uh, there's two nice. draws of it i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but it's gonna live there forever.
0: I uh, just think we in in i don't know five years time when your game is in every single shelf outselling exploding kittens someone <laughs> will want to pay thousands of pounds for that initial prototype copy you know put <laughs>
2: and it, we'll put it in a museum
0: there yeah. you go perfect <laughs> but now i've got to say like at the start of the pandemic especially because one, one of my best friends in fact other than james probably my best friend as he lives in the Netherlands. And, you know, he he moved out there many, many years ago, and I've missed him every single day because we used to play games and, and, and all of that. And we never even thought of Tabletop Simulator. We both owned it, but we <laughs> never thought of actually playing a game together on that. And then, obviously, the pandemic happened, and, you know, Tabletop Simulator exploded, and then suddenly everyone had it. And, you know, our gaming club, which we run every week, closed down. And we were all sat there like, well, what do we do? we used to going out on a monday night and playing games and we switched it all onto tabletop simulator and that i was then able to in, include ed into that yeah i've been playing regular games on there with him ever since uh, even though i i don't particularly enjoy playing games on tabletop simulator i find it very very fiddly mm. um and give me give me some cardboard and some dice any day but to be able to actually play games with people overseas is is fantastic. And I, I can well see that people playing games in the UK are very different to people playing games in the US. So I'm guessing you mm. now have that ability to actually play tests with a massive range of people.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we found that, right? We were we were doing online testing and the people we were getting feedback from and the people whose games we were trying were from all over the world and i think i must admit we're also very fortunate to live not too far away from from some great uh, board gaming cafes in, in in london but to have access to such a broad um, network of people, uh, a, a network that are very intelligent, who know what they're doing in the in the gaming and the game design space, was invaluable. I think
2: I actually uh, signed up to a sort of a community ran tabletop mentorship program um, at, at early days. Um, so this was just match you up with someone. It could be designing, it could be publishing, it could be art, content creating, yeah. anything, right? Um, and the first time I got paired up with, I was a, a lady called Raven who's based in the US, who's been designing games and it was it was remarkably helpful. Um, she played as a game with us. I so in touch sometimes. And it was in a way a pandemic had some silver linings and I think this explosion of the virtual scene is one of them. If it wasn't if it wasn't during COVID, I probably wouldn't have had to sound to anything like that. And I probably wouldn't consider doing mentorship like that remotely. Mm. But it's Or for
0: the better it's it's quite interesting to hear as well isn't it James to to actually hear about mentorship with regards to game designers because you know I think as normal everyday players you don't think about that kind of thing you know you just sort of think oh no a designer sits down with a pen and paper and just bang there's a game you know and it's overnight you know and we've talked to so many designers now and have come to understand a lot more about you know the backstage parts of the business to know that it's actually no it takes a ridiculously long time to get a game made and especially to the point where you can go we're going to do a kickstarter because it's not like the olden days of kickstarter we could go on kickstarter with your stickman cards and go this is the game i want to make but, you know, I'm here to get money because I, I, I can't afford to make this. Whereas now, you know, with the likes of, you know, Call money or Not and, and, and upping the game overall of Kickstarter, it's like, no, you've got to have the art done before you go on Kickstarter. You've got to have the game basically ready to go. Mm. And that you're there to go, yeah, we've done all of this stuff that costs an absolute fortune. And now we just want to put it into production, which kind of defies the point of Kickstarter, <laughs> if I'm honest. But... That's an argument for another time. But uh, yeah, how how, di- how have you found the design process overall? Has it been a stressful endeavor for you or did you find it come quite naturally to you? I think uh,
2: I wouldn't say stressful for a design process. I think in a way, um, in, the, in, a, in a way the days where we were focused on the game design mostly was more enjoyable than the more recent days where we also have to worry about marketing and manufacturing mm. and logistics right um i found it really helpful to have two people in it together i think it sort of allows you to bounce those ideas off it also keeps you going because otherwise it's so easy to just kind of shelf something right you you maybe have a bad play test or get that piece of play a uh, feedback and it's so it, it's just it could be disheartening it's, it's hard to keep things going mm. so having two people i found just really kept the project going uh feeding energy off of each other personally i think the biggest thing i learned on designing was I wish we were braver to try bolder things quicker. We kind of learned that eventually, but I'll give you an example. Right? Early on, we um, in the game there used to be both cakes and toppings, and we used to have sort of more complicated maths where if you had cakes with the right toppings, it'll be worth a bit more, and you add up all the values of all the cards. Um, and in a way, people like that because you get the feeling of you know stacking things up, you feel clever. And then it wasn't until one playtest where I literally had a playtester write down numbers. Like she had a notepad and like a pen and she was doing maths on the side. Like oh, wow. and it finally went, you know what? Maybe it is too much math. And don't get me wrong. Apps and games are a thing, right? I, I was talking about Power Grid. You definitely do that. But that doesn't make sense for the game we were shooting for, which is, you know, your light, hearted mm. 15 minute, everybody having a bit of fun. It, but it took me months. I was so I think I, I I think I was being really um weird about it. But I just loved it. It's a good thing, and I can pick up bits of feedback that said it was good. So mm. it took us so long to actually try it without. And mm. yeah, now we don't have it because I, it makes sense.
0: I, I can definitely understand why the game was a bit heavier weight to start with. If you love Power Grid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can stop breaking that one up as the
3: example. (laughs) (laughs) I think that does talk to the the challenges of of game design. Because I also, you know, that's probably the part of the process that I enjoyed the most. It's the bit where you get to be innovative and think about new and different things and talk about ideas. And, you know, who doesn't love that? But the challenging bit is when you have a piece of feedback on a feature that's really good. It's a really good piece of feedback. And you have another piece of feedback on the same feature that is not good and mm. you sit together and you're trying to figure out where do I go with
0: this yeah I can definitely understand that I know um myself and my my previous co-host Ian we got together we were going to do a train-based game but it was going to be a cooperative train-based game mm. because we sort of looked at it and we, at the time we were really into the co-op games and we both love trains It's like, there's no co-op train games out there. This is a massive thing in the market. And I now know why there's no (laughs) cooperative (laughs) train-based games. I just did not have the time or the patience to sit down and actually... I mean, I, I did quite a bit. I did a lot of rule stuff. I did some pre-production stuff like you said the, the stickman cards and all that kind of thing mm. but yeah that, that's about as far as it ever went i've still got all the stuff and i keep thinking that one day i might have, have a crack at it again but it, it's finding time to actually meet up with with ian to actually brainstorm my ideas and mm. and things like that and yeah it's a lot harder than some people might understand yeah uh, even even on the lighter weight stuff. And I, I arguably, I think I said this when we talked to Chris about Zuli. Mm. Uh, so I just told him, I said, Do you know what? I think anyone can make a complicated game because anyone can just stick rules upon rules upon rules upon rules that just complicate the whole issue. Mm. Coming up with something that's simple and easy to understand is hard.
1: Mm.
3: And that's one of the big levers we have when, when we're thinking about the game, when we're thinking about making decisions. One of the questions that we always try and ask ourselves is, is the increase in complication or the increase in what you have to remember worth the value that a player is going to get from this? Are they going to enjoy this enough that it's worth another line in the rule book or another thing to do and i i've definitely found that a really good mechanism for us to decide is it in or is it out and and it works for us right it it is designed to be a game that you you could pick up very easily and and get right into i imagine that other games of different weights have different balances that they're trying to match but for us that's always been a great question to ask ourselves i think
2: i think that and um starting to talk about giving ourselves a complexity budget that's really helpful. Right? Basically, mm. Okay, this is, this is about the right, right way to teach now. Mm. Yeah. So if, we, if we're going to complicate something, we need to streamline something else.
4: That's nice. a way to be. Um, so uh, on the subject of game mechanics, do you, the two of you have a particular favorite type of game mechanic you look for when you're deciding to play a game?
2: Um, I think I've already touched on economic games. I am quite <laughs> a sucker for that. It's not for every table on occasion. Uh, but Brass Birmingham, for example, is another game I really like. If I go to the other extreme, I've been trying to diversify my shelf a bit. So I've been trying to look for things that work for a bigger group, say like mm. above six, seven people, and that I can play with friends who weren't there to pay attention or who weren't necessarily there to play games. They were there to socialize and the games happened to exist. Yeah, And I don't have enough of those things. So um, yeah. That, That's that what talking about. Brass
0: Birmingham's for. perfect for that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: your casual yeah exactly
0: that's a, that's a that's an entry level game surely 100% what
2: about you omar
3: uh I think I I do enjoy a good uh co-op game uh even if so like a, a pandemic I guess is 100% co-op I think some are kind of semi co-op so I, I recently played um between two cities with a few friends at work I don't know if you've tried that before but you basically you're trying to simultaneously build two cities on both sides of you with the person who's Mm -hmm. sitting right next to you um and you're playing against the person who's opposite in in a four-player game and and i I just really enjoy it you get to maybe it's the kind of collaborative element you get to sit and talk to people and think about what's the best strategy how are we gonna get out of this situation or get into a situation perhaps um i I really enjoy it i think that's the because I, I do play games for the the social aspect, and you know something to chat about, something to really get your teeth into, get get your head around a problem. And so, yeah, for me, uh, I would pick a co op game
0: every time. It's kind of a man after my own heart, there. And I know I know James as well. You know, we, we are all about the social aspect of games yeah this is another reason why i was i wasn't a huge fan of the transition to tabletop simulator Mm. because it was just sort of like yes i'm playing games with people and i'm talking to people but i can't see them i'm not here sat around a table i love the one thing i love about tabletop games and always have is the fact that there's no screens yeah anywhere you know and james will attest on my my game nights phones are banned (laughs) they're not allowed at the table so yeah i'm quite militant about and i'll be honest i've never actually asked you james what's what sort sort of game
4: mechanics draws you to a game well unsurprisingly jason you might uh though that i'm a great fan of gotcha mechanics yeah take Um, that yeah so uh social deductions another one is they're always great fun i do also like the i tend to go for the slightly heavier weight games unsurprisingly nemesis is my favorite game which Mm -hmm. has elements of co-op elements of social deduction elements of gotcha sci-fi themes you know that that's why that's my favorite game but um yeah it depends what the mood takes me i like strategy a little bit of sort of uh, rpg i suppose not not fully rpg but if the theme is that immersive that you feel like you can get into it a little bit i'm not really a maths guy Mm. but i also enjoy it where the game's theme is there enough that you don't actually realize you're doing maths yeah Mm -hmm.
0: no no, that's fair enough it's it's a nice sort of array of game mechanics that we have available to us on the market now which is is brilliant and i think for me like set semi-cooperative is is a real high highlight for me Mm -hmm. because i love cooperative games i really do but i also as i'm sure you have figured out i like to cause carnage so having that traitor mechanic in there oh it's just it's the cherry on top of that cake um so yeah se- semi-co-op for me is is one that immediately stands out to me if i if i see it on on a box or on board game geek or, or anything like that but yeah have you had much dealings with board game geek are you uh, are you users of the bgg or are you sort of not not fully into that yet
2: i'm a i'm a silent user so i'm not 99 of internet users who Browser content, but to be honest, doesn't contribute much on that. Yeah. Um, we did put Kick of Doom up on Broken Deep, so there is a page. Um, but one thing we sort of thought about quite early on was it's because it's quite a casual game and it's a bit more mass market as well. It's, we didn't sort of invest a lot of time into um, hmm. Building up the BGG necessarily, you know, outside of the hobby. If you walk up to a person on the street, they might not have heard of BGG. Sometimes
0: this is very true. Yeah.
3: I think of it as a as the Google for board games. so I'll, I'll check every everyone there. What are the ratings? Yeah, and then I also maybe uh, yeah, I like to find games that I really like and then look up their ratings on BGG and then place my own like nah. These, this entire community's got it wrong. This game is the best. This is a ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> like a like an argument with myself
1: on yep. PGG.
2: <laughs> you do get some strange behaviors, don't you? Like recently, when you know when uh, Grimhaven got unseated in number oh. one, there, there was you know the, the whole drama around. Oh, us. The,
0: the, the shots fired with that. I mean, J- James is one of those. He's he's not a, a, a board game geek user, but. I was just sitting there. It might as I might as well have been sitting there eating popcorn, watching the fireworks go between Brass Birmingham and, and Gloomhaven. It was hilarious. Like the coveted number one spot on BGG's like best games of all time, and it's just sort of like you're deliberately dive bombing like reviews on the other game in order to make the game you prefer look better mm. and take your. Because it knocked it off the top spot, I was just sort of like, do you know what i I love people that love certain games that much, but really
3: yeah <laughs> I mean, listen, if I could make it to b g g spot number two, I'll take it you won't see me you won't see me die bombing spot number one, that's for sure
0: so what games are you enjoying at the moment that's that that's a question I think I, I could ask.
2: Everdell's been played a lot uh, in my flat recently. is because I've been trying to get my partner into board games. He's more of a role-playing game person, historically. Okay. Um, but Everdell's just really caught his attention, uh, so we've been playing it lots. Might have to invest in an uh, expansion soon. I
3: think for me, I uh, recently played Decrypt, which had a, an element of semi-cooperative, um but as you can imagine, trying to figure out what the other team is doing. So so in the game, you you're on a team, you are trying to decode what the other team's doing before or the other team's words before they can decode yours. So uh it it's you know, my work is in the in the blockchain space, so naturally anything that talks about decrypting or, or crypto gets everyone
0: at work a bit nice. excited <laughs> that's, that's an interesting concept that you, you enjoy playing games that kind of revolves around your, your your day job i would have thought that most people try and avoid it like yeah i don't know if you're a train driver you're not then going to go want to go and play ticket to ride every day
3: <laughs> i don't know i think if i was a train driver i'd probably be sitting there thinking about a ticket to ride as i'm as i'm driving my train
0: yeah i i would probably do exactly that and then forget to stop at the stations yes because <laughs> i'd be too busy thinking about the game <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, literally. Tell, tell
2: me which line you're on. I will avoid that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably That's a wise idea.
3: Literally, your only job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, fair enough. There's two pretty good, pretty good games there, and I, I will say, Everdell is one that has escaped me quite a bit. Like, I've got people that want to play it with me, but it's it's aligning those times, like because I don't actually have that one yet, you know. <laughs> Um, it is my mission to own every single game under the planet at some point, but uh, my partner will disagree with that considerably. But, mm. <laughs> but at the same time, she doesn't try and stop me. Mm. You know, she, she'll she'll send me pictures, go, oh, you should buy this game. You're supposed to be stopping me spending money, but I'm not going to complain.
4: Yeah, um, but we all do that. It's a fun side hobby. It's yeah, like, yeah. can I get Jason to spend some money? I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know it's a good
2: board games group when you buy each other's games and then you just have mostly the same shelf.
4: Uh,
0: well, I don't know. Pretty much everyone in, in my gaming... It's weird. I'm in probably three different gaming groups and every single one of them does the same thing. They all send the stuff to me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, look, this looks good. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll buy it. There we go. <laughs> <know." laughs> just may- maybe reflect on that, Jason.
3: Yeah. yeah. No, no, don't. In fact, I'll start sending you suggestions. and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A thing. I was going to
0: say, te- technically you're only down the road from us in london and you know, i spend most of my working life in london so well, yeah it's like, next oh, door. let's do it <laughs> yeah definitely uh, i think we, we are due a, a london trip for gaming at some point we, we are yeah. we are you say about the board game cafes that you have in london is there a particular one that stands out to you that you like
3: oh i couldn't pick between them all but I, I think uh near me is a place called d20 which i've been to for play testing i've played a few games there mostly the milkshakes are amazing so
0: i'm sold i do yep. i
1: do <laughs> that.
3: there's obviously drafts which um we've been to and we've been to with friends uh down in the south tanuki we've been to a couple of their playtesting nights and uh yeah they've got a lovely bar and and yeah a great setup so
2: Ah oh, very nice. you
3: couldn't go wrong at any of those
0: what about you paul do you do you attend any ga- game clubs or or game cafes in london
2: yeah um i must i must got most of them for board games um i i We mentioned my r p g regular games uh which you do one i I have one of them that's in person. Uh, at a place called bad moon cafe um well jack they actually have a small board game collection yeah but it's, it's more war gaming and RPGs so yeah lovely lovely place lovely vibe
0: yeah we uh I think oh god
4: that was probably we, a year and a half ago now, yeah probably, we went we went to drafts to have a look but uh they were completely <laughs> completely full when we went so we just went to look around and we went to bad moon as well which we both really liked
2: yeah. they they know my regular drinks order now
0: so
4: uh <laughs> <laughs> that's either a good thing or a bad thing
2: yeah it's <laughs> a good thing there's no such <laughs> thing too much games
0: <laughs> yeah true no i i really enjoyed bad Room cafe we keep saying we're going to go back um we also need to check out is it ludicrous in croydon
1: yes we definitely need one.
0: to check that one out we we do want to actually experience drafts as well uh at some point didn't know whereabouts is d20
3: uh, they have two branches, one's in Watford and one's in Uxbridge, so depending okay. on how you get into London, it's pretty easy to get to,
0: yeah. I'm actually working in Uxbridge tomorrow, that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: oh a lot to check out then, that could be it. Could be ideal.
0: Yeah, the problem is I'm I'm starting my working day in Uxbridge, so I, I, I think I'm going to end up having a very long day tomorrow now, because <laughs> I'm probably going to stop there for a few hours, but yeah, no, that's good, that's good. So yeah, I mean, we're going to head towards talking about your game a bit more mm-hmm. in, in depth uh, in, in just a, in just a second. But one thing that did that I did want to talk about was your decision to basically go down the small publisher route for your own game, as opposed to you know maybe trying to sell it to a bigger company or or anything like that. Was there a particular thought process that went around in in your brains with regards
1: to that?
2: It's not everyone's. Not everyone chooses to go down this path, mm. uh, for sure. And I, I remember us discussing it uh, multiple times uh, before, sort of agreeing. But I think one big element for me personally is I was quite drawn to the idea of going through the journey of, of not just the designing, but also retaining the the creative control and yeah. the ownership completely, and then trying to almost prove your worth by finding mm. the audience and and seeing that people love it and seeing that it can, it can sell and it's commercially viable. And although not every single bit of that journey is personally enjoyable all the time, yeah. um, it's sort of something about going through that learning and, and trying it um, beyond the designing bit.
1: Um, yeah. Nice. And I think it
3: speaks to why why we did this in the first place. And the whole idea was we wanted to see a game that we had completely created on people's shelves. You know, if, if the game ended up on a, shelf like the one behind you that would be that's really the goal it's so that people want to buy it they own it it's got our name on it and uh and they have fun they enjoy it so that's always been the thing that has driven us and so Mm. when we put it in that context the self-publishing route um seemed to be the way to go We, we wanted to go out there and meet people and share our game with them
0: And I guess that's uh, the beauty of uh, getting back to Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general. That is the beauty of that is going back to its roots of that's what it was for. It was to Mm. be able to, you know, not just board games, but just in the concept of board games, it enabled people to take those games to the market and actually get a worldwide platform that to show off the game, you know, whereas, you know, from what I've been told from various designers, they, they've gone to bigger companies with their, their games and sort of gone, oh, yeah, no, this is pretty good, but, you know, we've got this on at the moment, and then we've got this, and then we've got this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these designers are just understandably very excited about their games and just want to get it out there to the market. And I think maybe that's a much quicker... Way and I, I actually totally understand what you're saying about retaining that creative control because I guess if you go to a bigger company, I'd imagine that then your game gets you know air quotes developed, mm. you know from from a from a, de, um, a dedicated game developer as opposed to a game designer, which again I think we've talked about in the past, but I can't actually remember. Um, it's it's always interesting you you hear about all these processes that happen within the industry, which again going back to being just a person that plays the games you do not think about it
1: yeah so yeah, yeah.
2: one side effect of uh, of the whole journey we've taken so far is uh now every time you go to a shelf you're like oh i wonder what the cell sheet looks like for this game
3: yeah mm. yeah how do they come <laughs> up with this why do they make these choices and not these you know yeah what was the rationale behind these components all, all these questions that uh Start swimming through
0: your mind. Yeah, like you said, you just having to think about that
4: marketing. So it's about time to uh, talk about the actual game then, I think, Jason. I, I think we should. I think we should. Are you ready?
2: I was born ready. <laughs>
4: Excellent. <laughs> so um, as we've already mentioned, me and Jason had our first personal experience of this game at Paradise uh, Gaming Convention. Uh, but for those who may not know what Cake of Doom is... Would you care to uh, tell the listeners what the game's all about?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, let me give you the let me give you the storyline. In Cake of Doom, uh, every player is an alien, and as aliens do, you're trying to take over planet Earth. And the way to do that is to take cakes in your hand and bribe different regions with them. And the way to win is to bribe two regions and then the democratic order of mankind, or the Doom, and that's where we get the name Cake of Doom. So. Practically how does that work? Um, you will all have aliens that are they have unique abilities, that they're, they're all different. It introduces some asymmetry to the game, and in your hand you have a bunch of cake cards, which allow you to make bribes, and then you've got your mischief cards, and they let you do various things. They'll let you sabotage other players, you know, brutally pull them down as uh, as you experienced you can <laughs> grab cards out of their hand you can in some cases block some of their moves and if you're lucky enough to get the cake monster you can absolutely obliterate um one of their bribes so on your turn you'll be making a bribe um other people will will sabotage you you'll you'll resolve that and uh fingers crossed get yourself a region
0: Nice. Yeah.
2: And if you're James, you will uh, look forward to never winning anything and getting all your cakes uh, sometimes.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So I guess my, my, my first question really is with regards to the theme, is like, what was the idea behind cake? You know, And, and, and you know, maybe not weapons or stuff. I know you're going for a lightweight sort of family-friendly <laughs> game, so weapons is a bad example, but what was the first inspiration of cake? Did you happen to be eating cake at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Was that an essential it's, to the design process? The cake is essential yeah. to okay. the whole process. Every um,
3: meeting, but, we have to have a slice each. That's, uh, yeah. Can't be a cake do a meeting without it.
0: That's definitely something we need to install when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slice a cake or just a whole cake. <laughs>
2: it's funny you ask about that because I would say the theme is actually our most constant thing. The mechanics have changed quite a bit, as you can imagine. But actually aliens taking over the world with cakes was more or less there from the beginning um the game sort of came about when we weren't we didn't sit down and go let's design a game we were just chatting we've been friends for i think about 10 years at this point so we're just talking to each other and um i bake quite a bit amara bakes uh now and then as well so the topic of cake came up (laughs) and then i think we were just yeah spitballing oh yeah you could you know all this bad stuff in the world happening. we should just make everyone happy give them cake yeah, aliens would do that. They would give people cake, you know, uh, and then that—that's where the theme came from. Uh, we just love the absurdness of it so much, and so do our playtesters and um, people who shown the game to. So it's a—it's uh, stuck.
1: And I really enjoy when we're
3: at conferences, when we're at Paradise, and people walk past, and I'm like, "Yep." So this is a game where you're an alien and you try to take over the world with cake, and it's at that moment, you know, the so- so conferences can be can be quite tiring, and. Uh, People are walking past, especially if it's middle of the day, end of the afternoon, and they hear the idea that you're an alien taking a vlog of cake and just burst into laughter. And <laughs> I think that's why it's stuck, because I really enjoy that.
4: I mean, it's a pretty good strategy, to be fair, because, you know, we'd never see it coming. You know? <laughs> here's here, Here's a cake. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah,
0: exactly. As <laughs> I say, we, we've all been trained by Hollywood to know that you know, if an alien appears, you know, we we even need to send Jeff Goldblum up to blow it up. All or, or we're done for. <laughs> yeah. So
3: I really, I'm no, really no. glad you made that reference. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The question is, how many people will understand what I'm talking about?
3: Exactly. Yeah. I often, I often think, you know, what would Jeff Goldblum do in this situation? When we're exactly, not, yeah, get it.
0: hold of Will Smith, jump in an, a crashed alien spaceship, and go and blow the mothership up. That's
3: that's it. Yeah, it's
0: one of my favorite films of all time, just for the record.
3: Me too. I really enjoy it.
0: <laughs> not the not the remake, but yeah, the the um, oh. the original. Yeah. Oh yeah, the original. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is a really interesting theme. I'll, I'll be honest, because uh, it, it caught me off guard. To be honest, when we when we came over to play, and because someone told us to come over and play it on our way out, mm. and they were like, "Oh, it's it's, a, it's a take that game," and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm in I'm there thinking it was you know going to be a, sort of a bit more of an adult theme, you know, take that game. I sort of sat down, I was like, oh, "These are really cool. I love I love the artwork. It's it's aliens, and the, there appears to be a lot of cake." <laughs> uh, and then sort of seeing the signs that like, "Cake of Doom." Okay, cool. So are these like poisoned cakes are they? You know. And then it was like, nope, nope, you're just bribing people with cake. I like Freedom
2: it. of kindness. I love yeah. it.
0: <laughs> Friendly <laughs> and- aliens. That's exactly what we
4: need. We do. I mean, I'm not going to be friendly, but
0: (laughs)
2: you you were not friendly. We we
4: worked this one out. Which, which leads me on to, I I think, quite an important question is: Has anyone played the game as viciously as as we did?
2: (laughs) 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 You were amongst the most vicious, I'd say. Um, I think, I think, I think groups like yours tend to identify themselves quite quickly. You can tell where everyone can just. Bangle mm-hmm. with each other uh, be brutal and it's it's part of the friendship and how it works and you, on the flip side you get groups where a lot of people tend to be nice uh, especially maybe <laughs> family groups where some, some people might be you know parents might be being quite nice to a young child not always though no, oh, you'll no, be no, surprised
3: no, no. i have to i have to disagree with you there some of the most vicious games i've seen have literally been parents who sit down and I expect them to be nice. I expect them to let their kids win or at least, at least help them or at least not obliterate them. And then they sit down and just completely destroy their own children. And then, and, and I'm like, what was the thinking there? And they're like, they got to learn. They have to know. Yeah. They have to know.
0: My, my son expects me to go, no, to go easy on him. No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to learn the hard lesson of life, my son. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. And obviously we've start- like, we, we, We try and not play too brutally, right? You can't bring people into your game, sit down, and then absolutely (laughs) obliterate them on their first turn. It's just, it's not polite. So we try not to. I
0: think I'd have a new level of respect for a game designer
4: that did that to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I have not. I have not done that so far.
4: I I mean, I I don't know if you do the same thing, Jason, but I, I kind of do that with my niece. But then there is that measure of pride when... When she obliterates me all on her own, I'm just like, I'm so proud. <laughs>
2: you also have a funny thing where um so we've had cases because the games three to six people sometimes at events we get a mixed group so maybe two people came down and then yep. another another couple went past and then you end up with a mixed group where people didn't know each other mm. and you get this thing where at the start they would be mean to the person they came with only right if they're stealing mm-hmm. a kick cutting steal it from their friend if they're sabotaging it'll be from the friend but then after like two three rounds the boundaries get broken down right and there's this there's no more rules, it's free for all. And it it's uh, it's fun to watch that transition,
0: you know? Well, I mean, I'd like to say that I, I was pretty nice to you, you know, for, for the majority of the game until you picked on me, at which point mm-hmm. I, I switched my attention. So
2: That's what happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I felt bad for James. So, he doesn't want heat off.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was always inevitable. Paul always stays really quiet when he's playing games with us like that because he knows it, it's only a matter of time before we go into a war. And yep. then he's like, yeah, yeah, I've got that. Oh, I've won. I don't, I don't care. Carry on the game. I want to keep being evil. <laughs>
4: <Yep>. <laughs> it, it is. It is expected with the two of us, isn't it? the on, The only variable is who strikes first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I'm glad it brought you that much joy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's It's good to hear we weren't the only group that went quite hard at that. But uh, one of the mechanics that I absolutely loved about the game that we played was the fact that the amount of cards you get to draw goes up yeah it's like it basically i think it's every round isn't it every round yep. of people and it, i always remember it getting back to me I was like oh how many cards can i draw this time oh five okay so five of those take that cards but <laughs> oh, do you yeah. not want some of those cake cards no <laughs> no i don't <laughs>
2: the uh we are we're quite happy with that mechanic with where you draw more and more each um hmm. each round i think it was a while to figure it out but it just mixed makes- it just makes sure you sort of end on a high and it sort of pushes you to action, right? And it keeps mm. things going and it makes sure that it doesn't drag on, which is a problem with some take that games, right? Mm. But oh so, yeah, 100%. It keeps things light and quick.
3: Yeah. And I think we yeah. combine that. So this is another change we had. Originally, it was all one draw pile. So you'd have cakes and mischiefs all together. Um, and what we found is that it... it it could be frustrating to draw cards that are not necessarily the cards that you want or the cards that are going to help you progress your game. So we did, we did make the split. um, So you have cakes and mischief cards. So there is that interesting decision. And then combining that with the escalation of draw meant that as each round goes on and for first time players, as you become more familiar with the mechanics and what you can do and what other people do to you, you're, you're drawing more and more cards And, and there's a hand limit of 10. So it really encourages you, as you say, when you're drawing five, drawing six, drawing seven. Really encourages you to empty your hand and and make a big impact and and do the big
4: moves. Yeah,
2: and hurt other people. Yeah.
4: One of the things that I like to the flip side to that drawing cards each round is something I find would take that games is sometimes they can be a bit too punitive if someone does get picked on, mm. <laughs> um, and especially ones that make you discard cards and things like that. It can very quickly get into a situation where you're you can't do anything, whereas Mm. you decided to take all those cards which means you could punish me, but I always had something I could attempt to do Mm. and by doing that you've hurt your own game sort of thing, whereas it's not, even though you were picking on me I could still had attempted plays whereas a lot of take that games it's like, right, you've picked on me you've probably made me discard down to about two cards and I can only draw I'm now limited, that Extra draw always means your hands filling up, which means it's not too punitive. Yeah,
2: mm. it feels good when you can do separate. Right. You're playing a game and you won't be yeah. doing something
4: again. This is one of the key things we always pick up on a lot of games
0: is downtime.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know, especially when you're talking games that have a much higher player count. Uh, so if, if memory serves correctly, Cake of Doom goes up to six,
1: yeah, six, yeah.
0: Excellent. Oh my god my memory's on on fire today, it's brilliant. Um, you know. and. Whenever I sort of th- start thinking about five, six, seven, eight players, mm. immediately the first thing in my head is, oh my God, I'm going to be so bored because there's going to be nothing for me to do. Yeah. Whereas because of how this game works and the take that mechanic, you can't really take your eyes off the table because if someone is going to go for, uh, you know, t- to start bribing, mm. you've then got those take that cards to go, oh no, actually I'm going to attempt to stop you or I'm going to, take away some of the stuff you know and and it keeps me interested in what other people are doing yeah unless i'm picking on someone
1: else
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah for the most part if i'm playing the game properly it's keeping me in the game and i think that's a really good mechanic i love the fact that you decided to split the decks and have two separate decks Mm. because it does give you a varied way of path to victory which is another thing i don't particularly like games that sort of shepherd me into a very narrow corridor of how i must win the game yeah whereas if you've given me an option that's that's great mm. and yeah like i said i i really did enjoy the the, the the play test that we did and again it it didn't take too long either that was the other thing i think we did a whole a four player game in about 20 minutes half an hour if, if i remember oh, correctly it, yeah it was about oh, it was- that
2: yeah. And and then first first game as
0: well. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't take long to pick up. It's it's a very simple game to to understand, which is again as I said earlier, a good thing. Mm. You know, it's it's a very hard thing to do. So, big thumbs up for that one as well.
3: And did you I didn't I didn't get to see your entire game. Were you, did you get a chance to do the Cooperative bit of uh, when you're sabotaging other people, you have a little discussion and you decide, Am I going to take them down this time? Well, I suppose your play style suggests that you took someone down every time, but.
0: I think the only time that we actually did that was probably right at the end when Paul was about to win yeah. and it was too late.
3: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, and we sort of, Can we do this? Well, I, the, best I do this. the best I can do is this. The best I can do is this. The best I can do is this. So we're one short. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, see. Yeah, so you want to build those alliances, yeah,
3: allegiances early. You know, know who your friends are, and then tragically screw yeah. them over.
0: Yeah. So that that would be uh, our top tip, I think, coming from us is uh, don't do what we did. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. So- <laughs> do
2: you clearly had a lot of fun. Oh so. yeah, this
0: is very true. Yeah. Whatever whatever floats your boat. That's the that's the uh that's what we recommend. But no, we I, I did quite like that co-op aspect. The fact that you can have that discussion as well. Mm. That was that was really cool. Um if if you're not us then it's definitely something I'd recommend doing. Even when we play full blooded co-op games that have no take that mechanics, no traitor mechanics, nothing, mm. we we still end up finding a way to to argue about something. Yeah. And uh
3: I love being the medic and being like, yeah, I'm not going to heal you. You can be yeah.
0: yeah. I'm not allowed to be the medic in most of our games. <laughs> <No>. Understandably. <laughs> yeah. well,
2: I'm so glad you guys came over and played the game. It's
0: like a yeah. match made in heaven. <laughs> you mentioned, we were, uh, I thought you might have mentioned this before we were recording, but we're at time of recording, eight days away from your Kickstarter launch. How do you feel right now? Is, there, is the pressure starting to get you? Are you cracking under, under the skin? No. <sighs>
2: like an egg going into the cake. Exactly, um, <laughs> exactly. It is it is very exciting. It's, it's feeling very real right now. It's, it's strange because, you know, we were writing, writing things, putting posts on social media, but it it sometimes doesn't feel real until you're really close. And I remember the other day, I was um, checking in, in a group of, fellows or small publishers like guys if i press this button does it actually happen like is this it um and people are like yeah yeah that, that will be it and i'm like oh shit i can literally do it right now it's like <laughs> a big red button and it just felt so real um so yes yeah, very exciting um but i must admit quite scary as well it's mm. it'll be our first time running a kickstarter and with you know with we've, we we've, i think as, pre- as prepared as we reasonably can be but there's just so much you can still get nervous and worried about and you can still overthink it but i'm just trying to focus on excitement right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling Amar?
3: well we've made the decision to hit the the big red button or i, I think on kickstarter it's a big green button um and we're going to hit that at aircon uh because i think that would be i mean i think that's going to be better than if i was sitting in a room and pressing the button and then just, you know, twiddling my fingers and, and you know, waiting <laughs> for people to do something. I think we, yeah, we, we're excited to go to Aircon, launch it there and then be interacting with people, talking to people, um, drumming up the interest and, yeah, making making things happen.
0: Nice. Yeah. Are you going to have like a, a scannable QR code or something at Aircon that so that if someone's just tested your game and it's already live and go, right, Scan that and sure. give us your money. <laughs>
1: That's what it says it on the slide, like yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> with, with the meme of Fry holding, holding the cash. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Take my money. Yep. Uh, are you planning on attending any other sort of cons this year?
2: It is going to depend on how AirCon and the campaign goes, yeah. uh, to be completely honest. We did a uh, UK Games Expo last year, so last mm-hmm. summer. Uh, on the run up to it, it was a lot of fun um, sh- showing people. I think, I think we both find that it's quite enjoyable to do marketing in person
1: mm. as
2: opposed to you know digitally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it depends on how the campaign goes for sure. Because annoyingly, things cost money.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Where whereabouts were you at, at Expo last year? Can you remember?
2: Hall one, yeah. I want to say.
0: One. Uh,
2: oh, okay. Our neighbors were Ulandi Walls, and um, there was there was a. I be opposite us it's um it's it's a wee while ago uh so i'm struggling to remember it that, was but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah well xbox has so many has, xbox has so many stands it that, that's oh it does yeah. it is easy to just miss the corner or walk past what
3: that. we are going to do at aircon we did this at ukg is to uh bring our trusty alien costume um <laughs> which is inflatable so fingers crossed we will be impossible to miss at aircon
4: excellent yeah and i'm sure uh, i can speak for both of us when i say if you are at UKG this year, we will definitely be coming over for another game because we oh, yeah. will be there. Yep. Yeah, so if if you do
0: end up being there, we will we'll look forward to seeing you. Unfortunately, we can't make uh, Aircon this year. That's another one on the list for next year, I think. Mm. But, it's uh, not
2: what it ends each year, isn't it? I swear.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. This is. Uh. I mean, technically, the Paradise Game Convention was James's first. Game convention, it was. Um, whereas Expo oh. was meant to be his his actual first, now I think we can probably
4: still class that as a, a first. I, I will say that that will be my first full size gaming convention. Mm, yeah. yeah, it will be Expo. Um, it was meant to be last year, but I couldn't get the time off of work. Yes, I look forward to
2: hearing how you find it.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm interested to see how he's going to find it. To be fair, because uh, <laughs> I, I I mean my first time at Expo was two and a bit years i think it was the first one since the lockdowns had had finished mine too i oh, was it? <laughs> um and yeah that that was that was yeah it was interesting because i only did one day and i did the friday mm. uh, i was really happy because i still managed to get everything around but i didn't manage to play any games which other than like the, the old play test here and there yeah but that depressed me because i like no I, I need to play more games uh so obviously the following year all three days i was there
1: mm.
0: and and the thursday night i was there as well so
3: what i do enjoy seeing is uh at expo i found so everyone has different colored wristbands was it was, it, was it wristbands or lanyards like, it was lanyards,
0: wristbands. Uh, lanyards lanyards yeah, yeah yeah
3: and you notice the people that had the one day and they were mar- they were walking markedly quicker than the people yes. who were there for the whole weekend because yeah. uh, obviously trying to fit everything in <laughs>
0: definitely yeah Uh, i think i think james will notice that as well because it's hilarious i always find you know when they do the big doors open in the morning as well and you get all the videos outside of people running into the hall it's like yeah they're they're day people yeah right there (laughs) they're day people because they need to get in and get on a game as quickly as possible
3: exactly yeah lunch (laughs) is a quick you know snack in the bag or something yeah if you're there for the weekend. You can. You're just a bit
0: more laid back.
3: Exactly. You know. You know. You're gonna see everything.
0: I can play test this now, or I can play test it later. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I've got plenty of time. But no, it's good. To... Did you have quite a few people interested in the game at, at Expo last year? Or yeah,
1: yeah,
2: it was a good sign ups. Uh, what we were pushing for so marketing was marketing um, list, pre launch page following and mailing list. Really. Yep. Um I think we learned a lesson a little bit on the first day because that was our first. Of, even when we had a stand and we weren't just testing right. the table. And there was a little bit of warming up to not just chatting and telling people about the game, but also actually pushing for that action, yeah, uh, which you do just have to do, right, uh, ultimately as part well of marketing. Uh, so there was a little bit of warming up to get our, our act smooth. And then, yeah, it was a good amount of interest. Uh, definitely got tiring. Mm. Towards oh, the yeah. End, I won't lie, because you're just on all the time. Yeah, uh, of and also, you also want to see the, the, the expo, right? And yeah. see some games. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. I know that we, uh, as we sat down for dinner, we did not talk. No. And it was like...
2: Sick of each Yeah, yeah,
0: We're, yeah. I think uh, last year, it was um, a Mill of uh, Descent Games' birthday. And, of course, they, they decided to do a, a, a birthday thing after expo and of course I I felt so sorry (laughs) because obviously anybody else I've spoken to when they've been exhibiting all day all they do is I'm going back to the hotel and I'm going to sleep
1: yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have a boiling hot bath, rest my throat, and then go to sleep. But, of course, being Mill's birthday, they were dragged out. There was there was some alcohol involved, and get, a lot of games were involved. And it was just all like, I, I remember at about quarter to midnight, I was sitting there going, do you know what? I'm up early in the morning. I'm going to go back to the hotel and go to sleep. And yet Mill was carrying on. And then I remember seeing Mill the next day, and... <laughs> just i didn't even speak about the night before and just assuming that her her mindset was i shouldn't have done that
1: <laughs> <laughs> the regret is real. real
0: the regret was indeed real but yeah I, that's definitely something that you, you've hit upon there like when you're exhibiting at expo mm. it's it's not as pleasurable as you might think it might be like because you are literally right. Doors open at ten, close at seven. But I am talking solidly mm. for nine hours. Yeah. Um. I I am gonna guess, as you said, your throat was a bit uh, a bit sore in the evening, was it?
3: Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But, I mean, UK, no yeah. I'm UKG bad. is definitely tough. I, even even at Paradise, you know, we we spent the whole day um, talking away, and and we love that, right? We we said before that the the fun of it is going there and talking to people in person, but. I definitely had a nap on the train back, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I'm surprised we didn't, to be fair. yeah, you know, We we played so many games that day, that normally just knackers me out completely. Mm. But I think I no.
2: high from Kick of Doom. Yeah.
0: What can you say? Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, it's all that sugar. That's what it was. All that <laughs> sugary goodness.
3: That virtual <laughs> sugar, yeah.
0: So, I, I, as a prolific Kickstarter backer or crowdfunding backer is what you have to say now, isn't it? Because there's so many different crowdfunding platforms. Mm. I personally would like to know: Have you got anything to surprise me with, with your campaign coming that you want to tell me in advance? Maybe like maybe a, maybe your, some stretch goals that you're particularly interested in, or maybe some add-ons that you mm. you hope you'll be able to do. Or
3: there are some pledge tiers that we're we're super excited about. So. Um, we, we've got your kind of your basics you can purchase one game you can purchase a game with a game map um, which you had the opportunity to to play with at, at paradise it's got a, a little space for the regions it shows you where to put your, your different cards discards that sort of thing so you can do yeah game game with add-on game map you can buy the game. You can buy three copies of the game, five copies of the game, and that'll be at a slight discount. But the pledge tiers we're super excited about, and there are only six of these. They are where you get to get the game, of course, but also work with us and talk to us about ideas you have for either an alien, uh, a sabotage, or a cake. So if you are sitting there thinking, you know what, I want my my favorite cake. Uh, in the game or i i love aliens you could even uh you know be inspired from the aforementioned movie that we discussed and think (laughs) there's an alien there that uh i would love to see in the game then you can yeah be part of that process with us and uh and make your suggestions for the design of that part of the game and um yeah then when you buy it you can say that's mine this is mine yeah this is my idea we we worked together on that so
4: i saw that evil smile (laughs) (laughs) when it was mentioned that you can design your own sabotage card i I think we don't we know which one jason's pledging
0: uh well we'll see how funds are at the time uk games expo is coming but uh yeah that that i I will be looking at that tier
2: We might have to add a, we might modify it now a bit to say if your name is Jason, this is going to be double.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds that sounds really cool, and, and I at the very least you'll probably get one for me for for the game and the mat because the mat was really good and it definitely made the layout of that game so much simpler mm. um, as well, and it just looked really really good on, on the mat. So yeah, yeah, you'll uh, you'll definitely get that one for me, and yeah, I'm a sucker for neoprene mats. What can I say? <laughs> i think that's all of our basic questions that we were going to ask you james have you got anything extra you want to ask uh i think we've covered pretty much everything blimey
4: i know we've done well we we have and
0: we've kept it to a a fairly good length for you guys so (laughs) i want to say thank you personally one for putting up with us and uh introducing us to the game and then probably regretting it straight away
3: uh not at all not at all (laughs)
0: um but yes thank you for coming on again and, and, and having the chat and letting us get to know you a bit better have you guys got anything else you want to talk about before we let you go off into the night
2: i mean uh, if you're not careful i think we can talk about kick of doom and games all day Oh, we um, probably but-
3: yeah. we've already told you we could talk for three days so uh like
2: <laughs> no, but thank you so much for having us uh it's really fun playing the game with with you um and coming on here and uh Last thing I'll say, please check out the Kickstarter. All the listeners out there, come on in, play Kick of Doom, back us. It'll make the world's difference.
0: It's it's definitely an endorsement from us, let's put it that way. Yep. 100%, we love this game. Really, really good. And the artwork's fantastic as well. Rob's done an amazing job with that. Before we go, I'll I'll hand the floor over to you, tell the people all about your Kickstarter, when it goes live, how they can follow you on all the social medias and all of that stuff that we're supposed to talk about. Over to you.
3: So we're going live on the 10th of March. Uh, You can find us on Kickstarter. You can also find uh, our website, cakeofdoom.com, and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Cake of Doom Game. And please do reach out to us, share it with other people, give us a like, tell us what you think. Um, Yeah, we'd love to speak to as many people as we can.
0: Awesome. Excellent. That's fantastic. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here.
4: Yeah, thanks very much. uh,
0: Hopefully we can uh, get another game with you at some point. I hope that uh, Aircon goes really well for you and I hope the Kickstarter goes exceptionally well for you. I look forward to celebrating with you at some point in the future. Thank you. you. Awesome stuff. Uh, On that note, should we say goodbye, James? Let's say goodbye. Let's do it. Join us next week, guys, for more tabletop gaming goodness. Until then, I have been Jason. And I've been James.
2: And I've been Pearl. And I've been Amar.
0: See you next week, guys. Ta-ta. Goodbye.